Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Well, actually, I just heard a really exciting testimony. Um, Murray just showed me. Um, it was a testimony from one of the pastor's wives in Vietnam uh, that some of the team, I think Meg and you and Cheslin and Dale and a few others must have gone to pray for her. I didn't know about this. She had brain cancer, do you remember that? So you went to pray for her, it, just a whole bunch from the, the Vietnam team went to pray for her. Well, she, we just got the text message that she's been to see the doctors and she's completely healed. <laughs> Hallelujah! Happy day! <laughs> That's happy, hey! Yay, yay God, oh, I love it. Praise the, yeah, I see your face, you're smiling, praise the Lord. We celebrate, and uh, such a joy. My button, but, but, this is my, Meredith will take care of me. Hello TV. <laughs> sort myself out here, talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Thank you, ma'am. She looks after me. <laughs> Have you had a good week? You know, if you haven't, the Lord knows, and he cares about that too. We're having some good testimonies coming through, which is exciting, of breakthroughs that I'm celebrating, and, and also those that have been going through a hard time. You know, recently, I've been sharing about from the book of Revelation, where the Lord would say, don't touch the oil and the wine, that even in the midst of extreme tribulation, he was adamant that the oil and the wine be continually available. And that is, no matter what circumstance you're walking through, God has organized that oil and wine is continually available to you. That is the oil of his anointing, the oil of his comfort, the wine of his supernatural joy, the wine of celebration and hope for the future despite what things look like, the comfort, the healing of Christ would never, ever, ever be taken away from you. So it's available for us no matter what happens, amen? amen. Wonderful Jesus. Well, um, we have been having opportunity to connect with uh, churches from the Glory City Network around, around the world. We've recently been in Darwin celebrating and ordaining um, some new pastors up there to help David and Ruth and just so, so grateful for what the Lord's doing all through the network and thank you for your prayers. We are, have been talking for quite some time now about worship and what it looks like. So we're gonna share a little bit more today on that. Let's pray. Father, you are so faithful. God, your ways are wonderful and all of your ways are just. Father, I'm asking that you give us ears to hear your voice, eyes to see what you're saying, Lord, and hearts to receive openly your word and let it be implanted, go down deep. Help us to apply it, Lord, that we might see the fruit of what you have for us in the mighty and the holy name of Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, I wanna turn your attention today to Psalm 18. I love the book of Psalms. And it's a, it's a fascinating look at what worship 
looks like. You know, we've been exploring the concept of worship. For some people, it's a strange concept. Why are we singing and praising God when God is humble? Why does he want us to tell him how great he is? It can be a strange concept. But when we begin to understand that worship is just lover's talk, where he is telling us how much he loves us and we respond to that love by telling him how much we love him, it's our opportunity to come into a divine embrace, hallelujah. The Father tells us that he is looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. That is, those that would be provoked by the Holy Spirit to fresh revelation about the Father and the Son and out of that provocation would, by the Holy Spirit would respond with worship. In other words, when you hear something about God in the lyric of a song, in a, in a scripture, or when you take time to give thanks to the Lord and you remember, wow, yes God, I mean, today I was just thinking about, as we were in worship, I was thinking uh, about Erwin and Cassie, who we dedicated their little baby today, and thinking, you know, I know how much planning with their family traveling up from interstate has gone into them being here today. Thank you, God, that I'm healthy and well and able to be here today to do that. It just even the little things to, to think, wow, God, you made sure that I was healthy and well, so that I could be here to be a blessing to their family today. You organized it all. God, it's an opportunity to say thank you. You are so kind. You care about the little details, hallelujah. And every time we give thanks, we are reminded of God's kindness and faithfulness to us. It's a provocation by the Holy Spirit reminding us of the goodness of God and giving us an opportunity to respond in worship. And worship can look like a song, it can look like a praise, it can look like a shout, it can look like a giggle. It can look like a delighted uh, heart response that just begins to give him the words of love that he deserves. Whatever it looks like, God is, God is looking for you to give him worship every time you are reminded of his goodness. He wants us to be provoked. And this Psalm here in Psalm 18, this is David responding in worship, having remembered what the Lord had done for him in bringing him deliverance and breakthrough from his enemies. And so this is a response. And you know, all worship really is response. Even if you don't feel like you're having, wow, an incredible encounter with God, Every time you come and you praise God and you deliberately, intentionally think about his goodness, that is a response to his love. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. Hallelujah. All right, let's read this. It's a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. I'm gonna read it to you in the Passion Translation as well. I just really love the way it's been put here. 
you know what, if you haven't got the Passion Translation and you have a mobile phone, you can get the Word of um, the Holy Bible app and you can have the Passion Translation for free if you want to do that. So I really encourage you to have a look at that. It's a delight and a joy. Psalm 18, praises sung to the pure and shining one by King David, his servant, composed when the Lord rescued David from all his many enemies, including from the brutality of Saul. Lord, I passionately love you and I'm bonded to you, for now you've become my power. You, you're as real to me as bedrock beneath my feet, like a castle on a cliff, my forever firm fortress, my mountain of hiding, my pathway of escape, my tower of rescue where none can reach me. I was reading this today and I was singing an old chorus to myself. The name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower. The name of the Lord is a refuge for my soul. The name of the Lord is a pillar I can lean on. The righteous run into the name of the Lord. The righteous run into the name of the Lord. I know there's more of you who know that. And it may be an old school melody from my childhood, but you know, the words are so powerful. Having just been up in Darwin, you know, they have many issues. Societally, there's so much domestic abuse, there's been terrible things that happen, but praise the Lord, Darwin is a promise, not a problem, hallelujah. But as I was watching and looking at some, some of these people and these families, the homeless ones and some of the headlines of the horrors that go on, I've, I've thought to myself, what, what can we do? There's so many people who go through compassion burnout because they try to help and it just doesn't seem to, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the mass problem that there is. And good-hearted people can only do so long before they have to move on because of the weight of the burden of the problem. But then, you know, I thought about it and I thought, if we could give them something, this is what I would give them. I would give them the opportunity to find the connection with the one who will be closer to them than anyone else that would be a friend and a comfort to them 24-7. I can go and put my arms around them, I can give them physical help, but I can't be there 24-7, but he can. You know, we have a gift and that is we have friendship with the one who loves us better than any mother has ever loved a child, better than any husband or wife have ever loved each other, better than any siblings have ever loved each other. More intensely and more gloriously, God has a love for us that is fierce and powerful. He never, ever, ever, ever leaves us or forsakes us. His mercies are new every morning. He never gets fed up with us. He never gets tired of us. He never gets annoyed and frustrated. He is patience, he is kindness, and he is fiercely in love with us, hallelujah. And I, I think about that, and 
I realized, you know, we sing these words, we hear these words that he's a strong and mighty tower, he's a fortress, he's a, he's a, the name of the Lord is something I can run into and be safe in. And it's more than just theology, it's a reality. I think about Stephen when he was being stoned to death in the book of Acts. The Bible says that he lifted up his eyes to heaven as the stones were, were taking his life and his face shone like that of an angel. And he was beholding God. He said, I see him and I see Christ standing beside him. And, he was, and then he died saying, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. He had a connection that made everything that was going on irrelevant. It far surpassed anything he was experiencing because it was that rich and that powerful. That's what we have as believers and that's what we have to offer the world. We have something that no one nothing and no circumstance can take away from us, hallelujah. We have a hope, we have a love that is greater than the greatest love story you've ever heard. It's more fulfilling, it's more powerful. And I read this here, you know, David speaking. David was a warrior. He was, a, he was not a sissy. He wasn't effeminate in any way, shape, or form. He was a warrior, a battle-hardened warrior. And yet you read the Psalms and you hear him say these things. I long for you as a deer pants for water, my soul longs after you. Just let me be a, a doorkeeper in, the, in your house so I can gaze on your face. He says things like, here, Lord, I passionately love you and I'm bonded to you. What makes a man like this respond in such a passionate way to his God? Clearly it's more than just a religion. Because if it were just a religion, he'd say, I come to bring you my worship as is my duty. It's nothing like that. He's coming saying, you are my life source. You're the one I lean on and hold on to and I love you passionately. When you look at this word actually in the Hebrew, it's fascinating. I'm reading the, um, the footnotes here from Brian Simmons and he says here, the word for love, ahav, here. Um, he instead, uh, David doesn't employ the common word for love, ahav, but instead uses the Hebrew word for pity or mercy. How could David have mercy for God? The word he uses is raham. It's the word used for a mother who loves and pities her child so much, it manifests a deep love and emotional bond. This concept, though difficult to convey in English, conveys the thought of embrace and touch. It could actually be translated, Lord, I wanna hug you. Lord, I wanna hug you. I, wanna, I feel as fiercely for you as a mother feels for her child. 
And I tell you, mothers would give their life for their kids. I feel as, as um, so passionate for you that I want, to, I want to connect with you in a way that is beyond just an intellectual connection. I want to embrace you. I want to hug you. I want to know you. I want to be connected with you. And I love you. I love you with my whole heart and I love you with all of my strength. Not because I have to or because I should, but you have provoked me to the place where I have to say, I love you. And there's nothing effeminate about it. There's nothing weird about it. It's glorious. It's powerful. It is more bonded family than we have ever yet understood. And it's the delight of the Father. You know, um, back in Psalm 16, David's singing and he, he sings at the beginning here in verse one, keep me safe, almighty God. I run for dear life to you, my safe place. So I said to the Lord God, you are my master, my mediator, and my, my, uh, you are my maker. Any good thing you find in me has come from you. And he said to me, my holy lovers are wonderful, my majestic ones, my glorious ones, fulfilling all my desires. That's God speaking about us. So David comes and he says, you're my maker, you're my, med uh, you're my mediator, you're my master. Any good thing that you find in me has come from you. I run to you for dear life, my safe place. And God says, let me respond to you now. You know, this is what worship looks like. It's not a one way thing where we come and we do a, a service to God. It is an actual embrace. We come and say, God, I run into you, you're my strong tower, you're my safe place. You're the only one who truly, deeply knows and understands me and you love me intently. You make me righteous and clean, you accept me, you love me. I'm clean, I'm holy because of the gift of your blood. Your blood runs through my veins. You are in me and I am in you, we are one. And you are my God, you are my savior, my redeemer, my love. And the Lord doesn't sit there and think, go on. <laughs> he is so engaged that he comes back and, and floors you. He says, my holy ones. That's you. And it's not a definition you've earned. It's a gift he's given you when you exchanged your life for his forgiveness. Hooray! My holy ones. In Romans, it tells us, you are full of goodness. Speaking of you. No one's good but God, yes, and it's no longer you who lives, but God who lives in you. You are full of goodness. My holy ones, my majestic ones. That's what he says about you. Seriously, worship is so much more glorious than us just coming and singing a few songs. God, I run to you, you are my safe place. I run to you, my hiding place. And he says, oh. 
my majestic ones, in whom is all my delight. You fulfill my longings. You fulfill all my desires. In our weakness, God looks at us and says, you fulfill all my desires. This is so much more than a club that you join. Christianity is not like Rotary, God bless Rotary. Christianity is not like a political party, it's not like belonging to this or to that. It is a union with God himself that transforms you from the inside out and gives you what the whole world is seeking. And that is true love. Love that passes human comprehension. If you think you've ever loved and got a handle on love, it passes anything you think you know. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. That's a verse in Ephesians that follows Paul's prayer that we would be strengthened with might in our inner being. That we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend together with all the saints What is the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, the love of Christ that passes human knowledge, passes our capacity to handle or experience? Like, people get a bit silly when they get in love. I, you know, the first flash of romance, they get a bit silly. They're like, just like, change everything, move cities, whatever. Like, just, oh, I'm in love. Have you ever seen someone in love? is beautiful. Far surpasses any form of love you've ever seen or imagined or experienced. And if you allow yourself to drink deeply from it, he won't withhold it from you for one second. There isn't a day, a moment, a mood that can keep you from the love of Christ. There isn't a sin that you've done that God can't forgive if you'll bring it to him. That he hasn't already died for. If you'll come to him and say, God, I need you, he's always there. I am your ever-present help in time of need. He even says in the scripture, can a woman forget her child and have not compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, but I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. He's so romantic. He doesn't go, yeah, I love you. I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Even if a mother could forget her child, I will never forget you. He tells us in the Song of Songs that your face to me is lovely and your voice is sweet. 
every morning when you wake up, he is looking forward to your fellowship. He's looking forward to your companionship because when you understand that you fulfill his desires, you begin to understand that your relationship with God is not just for you. Now, true love is satisfied not by a one-sided thing. True love is satisfied when you realize you are also being loved. Not only are you giving love and feeling love for that person, you are receiving love and being loved back. And this is the truth of our relationship with Christ. We don't just love him because it's good for us. We love him because it fulfills all his desires. It is so real and so dynamic that the Lord wants us to experience it on a daily basis so that our love tanks get so full they're overflowing. I love um, when we do marriage counseling, I love to talk about the, the different love languages. I think there's so much value in that. Really wonderful, it really helped Tom and I in our early stages of marriage to work out his acts of service, I'm words of affirmation. All right, how do we make this work? And I began to appreciate when he'd do acts of service as, a, as an act of love and, and we'd, be, we'd begin to learn to speak one another's languages and it was a beautiful thing. But there's one thing it says in there, we need to try to keep as married couples, keep each other's love tanks filled up. I can't agree with that because the reality is no one can fill your love tank because it was created as a God-shaped vacuum. Only God can fill your love tank. And if you're looking for your spouse to do it, you'll forever be in a place where you are actually starting to get into idolatry. God is looking for you to find your fulfillment and your satisfaction in Him so that you can love one another freely and purely. You can love one another and enjoy love to a fullness and a fulfillment better than you could otherwise. And you can overflow to the world around you. God wants you to be so full of Him that everywhere you go, when people see your face, they are impacted and infected by the love of Christ. He doesn't ask you to give anything you don't receive. And he doesn't ask you to try to muster it up. He says, drink, drink, drink deeply from the river of my pleasure for you. And out of the overflow of that, let my love be manifested to the world around you. He knows what he's doing. It makes for a richer marriage. It makes for a richer family life. If you're needing your children to be the ones who fill your love tank, then you are not loving them rightly, you are loving them selfishly. If you're needing your spouse to be the one that makes you feel okay about yourself, you aren't letting the love of Christ cast out all fear and rejection. But if you let the Lord do that, then everything that comes in addition is a, is a joy that you can appreciate and be thankful for. I'm preaching better than you're reacting, I know it. God wants you to be so fulfilled in Him. It's not a requirement, it's an, it's an opportunity 
waiting for your response every day. He's waiting to fill you with this love that passes human understanding, to get you so intoxicated with his love and his joy that it casts out every trace of fear and rejection, every trace of selfishness and self-centeredness until you are so overflowing with him that you say, whatever you say, I wanna do it because you are my delight. The love of Christ constraineth me. The love of Christ compels me. I'm not gonna do um, Christian service because it's a good idea. I'm gonna do it because I'm compelled to let the world around me come into connection with him and experience this love that I'm experiencing. Hallelujah. Worship is so much more than what we've previously understood or experienced. If you think worship needs to be this form of music or that form of music, you're completely missing the point. I love it when Meg gets up here and raps. I love it. But you know, there might be some religious people who go, oh, that's not God. Stop it, just stop it. When you begin to recognize it's an overflow of the love of God, it doesn't matter what form of music goes on with it. If it's coming from a heart that's being provoked by the Spirit of God to give thanks and praise and glory to Him, then you need to celebrate and jump in. Similarly, if someone got up I mean, Emily and I love to go and see Handel's Messiah at the end of the year. We love it if when we get an opportunity. And it's a beautiful oratorio with opera singing, hallelujah. Awesome. For unto us a child is born. May not be everyone's cup of tea, but I love it. I love it. I get goosebumps every time I hear it. That is absolutely worship to God. It's declaring the praises and the glory of Jesus. And so we need to stop being precious about the form and start getting absolutely passionate about the response from our hearts. Hallelujah. The Father is looking for worshipers. Why? Why is he looking for worshipers? Because he is a lover. And he wants you to love him back because you were created to fulfill all his desires. And he knows your greatest joy, your deepest satisfaction will come when you learn what it looks like to lock in, lock eyes, and drink deeply from the river of his pleasure for you. As you begin to receive the love of Christ that passes knowledge, as you allow him to comfort you with the comfort of the Holy Spirit, not in a once-off encounter, but in a continuous abiding, hallelujah, that is intravenously fed by his great goodness, his love, his mercy, his patience, and his kindness. Oh, how he loves you. My prayer is that you'd open up your heart and receive it today, amen. Hallelujah. Father, we say thank you. Thank you for your goodness, Lord.
Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.